Well, hello, Village Church. It is genuinely so good to be back with you, opening up God's Word, even to be in this building again. We missed you so much. My kids and I just walked into the building a little while ago, and they said, we miss this place so much. We have not been here in so long, and it feels like a very long time. Now, if you're new with us, you're probably wondering, who is this guy, and uh, where did he go? Uh, My name is Michael Fueling. I'm the lead pastor here at the Village Church, and for the last 10 weeks, my family and I had the privilege to be on a sabbatical, an extended time off of rest and rejuvenation. So while we were gone, one of the things we learned is that a lot of people don't know what a sabbatical is. So I thought I'd just take a moment on the front end here to share with you what a sabbatical is, why we went, and a little bit of what we did. And then we're going to jump into Exodus chapter 18. We're going to dig into God's word together. So sabbatical comes from the word Sabbath, which just means rest. Uh, A sabbatical is a time of rest and rejuvenation, and it can actually look pretty different depending on the pastor and what's going on in the ministry and their life. Uh, Over the past couple hundred years especially, what's happened is is pastors have burned out under the weight and the pace of ministry one after another. Uh, Many of them have left the ministry permanently. Some have even left the faith. And so pastoral teams, elder teams, leadership teams of churches have said, you know what, we want to do better. We want to help our pastors make it over the long haul. So one of the practices that um, leaders in ministries and Christian nonprofits have uh, practices that of sabbatical. Now, there are different reasons to do sabbaticals. So like one reason, you'll find many pastors will take um, even every year, one or two months off from the daily grind of ministry to focus on teaching and preparation. So some guys, what they'll do is they'll plan their entire year of sermons out so that way during the year they're able just to be fully present with their church. Um, Our sabbatical is a little bit different. Our sabbatical is focused really on rest and rejuvenation. And so a little bit in terms of why uh, the Feeling family at this time took a sabbatical. Uh, As you kind of get closer to our family, we're pretty honest about our life and what goes on. And and so the last two years have been kind of just crazy on a personal level. And when I talk about a personal level, I want to be really clear. Um, Village Church, you guys have been amazing to us. Uh, In fact, in, uh, it was probably 15 years ago, uh, I was sitting down with an older pastor and he said, when you, Michael, get your first pastorate, uh, they're going to chew you up and spit you out because that's what churches do. And I'm going to be honest, I was like a little afraid when I became senior pastor of Village Church because I'm like, is this what churches do? And, and honestly, my time at Village Church has been one of the greatest joys and delights of my life. And I say that with all sincerity. I mean, no matter what ministry you're in, there are going to be challenging times. But um, i got to tell you, I love our elders and our staff and our people and you. It's just been a delight to be the pastor. Um, but on a personal level, things just kept happening and happening in our family. And, and the pace of ministry as the church grew just accelerated beyond what we could really keep up with. Um, Over the last year, uh, the elders and myself and Brianna, we've been talking about when is a a good time to take a sabbatical. I've been here, this is year 18 now. I've never taken a sabbatical. And and when's a good time to just really make sure that we can kind of get refreshed, hit a reset button. And so COVID happened. (laughs) And for many of you, life stopped with COVID. And for most people who are on the front lines of a lot of ministry, our job, like, doubled overnight. Uh, We had to figure out how to change everything we were doing and do it really, really quickly and respond to just craziness. And so what happened with my wife and I is what was already uh, a pace of schedule in life that wasn't sustainable long-term 
doubled overnight. And some of the collateral of that are my kids who were saying, Mom and Dad, we need you more present. Where are you? You're too busy. And, and so we sat down with the elders and said, listen, uh, it does not seem unless we do something significant now that this pace is going to stop. I think we need to do this now. Um, I want to do this before I burn out, before I get too overwhelmed, before the pace really gets too much too quickly. Uh, and we were just watching this be completely unsustainable. Uh, and so we just all agreed this is the right time to do it. And, um, you know, it was a hard decision because we didn't know what the summer was going to look like. What I did know is that this place transcends me. We have incredible elders. We have incredible leaders. And, and uh, I just want to take a minute and just say to Mike Boyle, um, thank you for being um, here all summer long and being an interim lead pastor. Um, you provided shepherding and care and leadership. I'm so grateful for you and your friendship. If you don't know, Mike uh, came to Village Church back in 2008, and Mike was um, a mentor of mine as I transitioned uh, into becoming the lead pastor here in 2009 and 10 at Village Church. And so Mike and I go way back, and so privileged to have you here um, doing that. Um, Our staff just were amazing. Uh, Stepped up and uh, took so much of my responsibility and spread it out. Um, Our teaching team, so much uh, gratitude to Mike and to Chris and to Craig and to Alex and uh, there's just no lack in terms of God's word being opened and fruit being born through that. Um, to our elders who just lead with such clarity and with such patience and such perspective and godliness, um, I just I was so confident when I left that we have the right people in the right places, and Village Church absolutely transcends me. Uh, bigger than that, too, I just, I just want to be healthy long-term. I want to be a really amazing husband. Uh, I really want to be an amazing father. I want to be an amazing friend. I want to be an amazing pastor. And all of that required uh, us really just hitting reset on basically our entire life. And so even tonight, we have a meeting with uh, the elders, and we're talking about what our schedule looks like long term. We're making some really exciting, I think, decisions in our life. And um, the big picture, we're just so glad to be back. We're so happy uh, to be with you and to open up God's word. And so thank you just for your grace and your patience with us. Thank you for praying for us. Uh, Thank you for encouraging us. Um, One of the most, I think, meaningful things for me in this time, that was a little unexpected, was my 40th birthday. Um, About two weeks into uh, my sabbatical, um, my wife threw me a surprise 40th birthday. And I told her for the last year, don't you dare try to throw me a party. I don't want a party. I already am upfront enough. Believe it or not, I don't want to be the center of attention. Uh, Let other people be celebrated. Anyway, so she threw me this party, and uh, I actually don't think uh, my soul at that time knew how much I just needed the encouragement from, from you. It's a bit of cry, sorry. <laughs> but um, it was just a drive-by, and two full days of cars just coming by, and um, I read and savored every one of your letters and your encouragement, and uh, it was one of the most meaningful times for me, just me personally. And I think as we went on sabbatical, um, there's this guilt over not wanting to let the church down or have you think I'm lazy or something of the sorts. And it's just a reminder as um, those of you who have been so close with our family, just poured out your love and your kind words and supported us. So again, I speak on behalf of my wife. I'm so crying. I'm sorry. <laughs> Clearly, I miss being around you guys, but thank you for being so supportive. And now I want to open up to Exodus 18. And so we're going to do this thing where we do like a hard cut. I'm going to come back and I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to be great. Anyways, good. Hey, welcome back. (laughs) And uh, again, open up to Exodus chapter 18. And uh, I'm so excited again to open up with you. So um, Pastor Craig at Village Church East, if you don't know, we preach um, for the most part the same series together. He's going to continue in Exodus 
19. Uh, but Mike and I were talking, and uh, I wanted to go a little bit deeper, actually, in Exodus 18, because there's some really personal lessons for me from Mike's sermon last week. And so um, what Mike did is Mike shared um, the story of Exodus 18 from the perspective of the people of Israel who were listened to, and they were heard, and they were cared for really, really well by Moses's leadership. And so what I want to do actually is look at the other side of the coin. And I want to look at this experience from Moses's perspective, Moses as a spiritual leader. So again, open up your Bibles with me. Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. I want to make an assumption as we start this. Uh, My assumption is this, that almost all of you who are watching or listening are currently or will become a spiritual leader to someone eventually. And spiritual leadership is a great privilege. Uh, I wrote down a handful of examples of what a spiritual leader might look like. You might be a Christian business owner or a manager. You might be a mom or a dad, a grandma or a grandpa. You might lead a team at a church or a Christian nonprofit. You might be the only Christian in your family. You have leadership and influence and you represent Christ profoundly in that moment. You might be the only Christian in your marriage. You might be mentoring a younger believer. You might be leading a group or a Bible study. You might be married to a spiritual leader, which actually gives you spiritual leadership and influence in a different way. You might be a teacher of God's word. You might be the only Christian in your group of friends. And here's what I know. Uh, There is something for us to learn from Moses' experience as a Christian leader in Exodus 18. So there's two main characters that we're going to look at. The first main character is Moses, who is the spiritual leader of the nation of Israel. He has just led them out of the exodus, and they're in the wilderness, and they're on their way to the promised land. But this is going to be a really long journey in the wilderness. There's a second character that comes up in the story, and his name is Jethro. Jethro is also a spiritual leader. Uh, He's a priest of Midian, but he's also Moses' father-in-law. So culturally, he has influence and leadership over Moses on a very personal level. And so here's what we're going to find. We find the two of them early in Exodus 18, they reunite. Jethro hears about all the things God is doing through Moses, and he brings himself and his family over to Moses to support him and to see what's happening firsthand. They are so excited to be together. And we get to verse 13. It's the next day, and I think it's bring your father-in-law to work day. So Jethro is going to go to work with Moses, and here's what happens in Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. It says, The next day, after they reunited, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses... From morning until evening, from sunup until sundown. I don't know about you, I'm just exhausted reading that one sentence. I wonder how absolutely bored Jethro was. I don't know. Verse 14. When Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, saw all that he was doing, and, and just watch these three words. For the people. He said, what is this that you are doing for the people. So what's Mo- Moses' motivation? It's the people. It's to love and to serve the people of God. And Moses' motivation, I want you to hear me, as a spiritual leader, it's really, really good. But Jethro is picking up on something. Uh, something is not okay. Not in so much the why, but the how of Moses is leading spiritually. Look what he says. Verse 14 goes on. He says, why, why do you sit alone? 
and all the people stand around you from morning until evening. It's been a long day. You've worked a 16-hour day, sun up to sun down. You invited your father-in-law. Let's just be honest. In this moment, what do you want to hear from your father-in-law? You probably want to hear this. You are an incredible leader. I am so proud of you. You did such a good job. Your endurance is unbelievable. I can't believe how God is using you. And this is not what Moses gets. In fact, Jethro watches this for one full day. I imagine Moses is exhausted. It's exhausting just reading this. And Jethro has some pretty severe words for him. Uh, Maybe I could summarize it like this. I love your motivation. I love your heart for the people. Uh, I love your desire to honor God in this. But how you're doing this, it's unsustainable. It's going to crush you and your family and your kids and everyone else. I think there's going to be a better way. And, And there's a really important lesson for leaders everywhere. The really amazing, good things you do for the glory of God and the good of other people can very quickly become unhealthy things. The really good, amazing things that you do for the glory of God and the good of other people, if we're not careful, can become really unhealthy inside of us. Moses, listen, I think Jethro would say, somehow this leadership of this nation, it has to transcend you. If it's all hinging on you, that's not scalable. It's not repeatable. It's not helpful. And it's going to crush you and everyone you love in the process. And I think this text is a great gift to leaders everywhere. We love to do it on our own. We love to do it on our own. And our motivations are good and our heart is good and we love people and we're for them and we want to see God glorified in their life. And and this text, I think, is actually such a gift for the people of God that reverberates from generation to generation that influence the way that the kings and the judges and and the church has structured themselves that we are not a do-it-alone people. We are people who build teams so that collectively, collaboratively, we can lead and love the people of God really, really well. Instead of building teams, we believe the lie, I can do it myself. There's a bigger lie, actually, I think that Moses believed. In fact, there's one big, big lie that I think leaders are so tempted to buy into, and I've bought into this so many times, and I regret every one of them. If I don't do it, then who else will? If I don't do it, who else will? Look at verse 16, and I think Jethro has a few words for this. Here's what Moses says. When they have a dispute... They come to me. Remember, Jethro was like, what are you doing? This is insanity. He says, when they have a dispute, they come to me. And I decide between one person and another. And I make known to them the statutes of God and his laws. And I think Jethro would say, I know what you're doing. I, like, I have eyes. I can see how this is going. It's not what you're doing that's the problem. It's how you're doing it. How you're doing it is unsustainable. It will crush you. It will crush them. And the people, they need answers. They need to be cared for. And Mike last week so excellently highlighted the fact that when the people of God are heard and listened to in their complaints and their pain and their, their discouragements, that it brings life and peace to the community. Moses, you're withholding the very thing they need. You have to do things Different, And Jethro is going to share an incredible truth that I think Moses and leaders everywhere, spiritual leaders, need to hear. Here's what he says in verse 17, his assessment. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you're doing is not 
good. Have you ever just wanted to sit down with somebody and say, listen, love your heart, love it all. <laughs> what you're doing, it's not good. And they're like, yeah, but my motives are good. I understand the why. I appreciate the why. I love the why. What you're doing is not good. How you're implementing isn't actually healthy for you or for them. This thing, this ministry, this leadership, this responsibility, it's got to transcend you. Verse 18, you and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. Like if I'm talking to any spiritual leaders right now, you will wear yourself out. It's just the nature of spiritual leadership. We love people. We love serving. We love giving our best. And inevitably, this is what most leaders got to come to grips with. We wear ourselves out. We wear the people around us out. For the thing, Jethro says, the thing, I love the thing is this whole nation, (laughs) the thing, it's too heavy for you. And then he says this line, I love this. And this is the most beautiful truth that I think spiritual leaders everywhere, if we could just grasp this and hold this in our heart, it's so transformative. He says, you are not able to do it alone. What's the lie? I can do this alone. If I don't do it, no one else will. I have to do it. You cannot do this alone. Verse 19. I love this. There's like no question. Jethro says, now obey my voice. (laughs) Stop everything you're doing. I know you're like the leader of like this really incredible group of people and God's with you. Do what I say. (laughs) Because what you're doing is not good. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. You're important, Moses. Don't get me wrong. You're very important. (laughs) And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws. Yes, you still get to teach and do all that. Make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, and I want you to, I want you to catch this. Look for able men. Build a team. Build a team of able, competent, qualified men. Now in the church, it could be men, it could be women, depending on what ministry you're working in. But for Moses and the nation of Israel... Looking for men who can lead and can judge. He says, moreover, look for able men from all the people. And able, here's what he means by able. Men who fear God. Who are trustworthy. They hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at the times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and I love this line, and they will bear the burden with you. As we close, I want to share a couple so what's with you. And here's the first. Build teams and be on teams. Build teams and be on teams. Let me share with you a little bit uh, behind the scenes of what pastors have been talking about. Uh, My buddies across the country have experienced a really common concern, and over the last month especially, a shared reality. Here's the concern. Uh, Our concern is that stats are beginning to tell us that actually uh, a significant portion of people who used to go to church aren't going to go to church anymore. Um, They may go online, and at best it will be haphazard attendance. Um, we've been concerned about this for a long time because um, we love you and we want to be with you. And we just look forward to the day when, I don't know what the new normal is going to be, but we get back to some new normal where we can together in person, uh, center to God's word and pray together and fellowship together and eat together and worship together. can't wait for that day to come. But the concern actually is that there's a significant portion uh, of churches that are just kind of enjoying Sunday mornings and slowly disengaging. 
And the reality about disengaging from church is for a week or two or three, it's hard, but then it becomes really easy. And so one of the things I want to challenge you, Village Church, with is maybe you've been struggling with this. And again, I'm not talking to people who are concerned to come back to church for health reasons. We honor you, we love you, and we totally support you. I'm talking about those of us who kind of have just completely disengaged or are in the process of moving that direction. And my encouragement to you is build a team and be on a team. There is so much good work and ministry to do, not just in the building with these people, but in our community. And as we start getting back that direction, we're going to need all hands on deck because the mission is in front of us. COVID has been a huge gift to slow down, hit the reset button, rethink everything. Uh, And we don't want to have you go back to a pace that's unsustainable. What we want you to do is keep Christ first in your life and your family and the mission of Christ Central. And one of the commands he's given us is to not forsake gathering together. So I want to encourage you if you're there, build a team or be on a team and let's get back to being a part of the body of Christ. So look at verse 23 in Exodus 18 with me. Here's what uh, Jethro says to Moses about his spiritual leadership. If you're going to share the burden, here's what you're going to find. He says, if you do this, number one, God will direct you. And I want to come back to spiritual leaders for a moment. Build a team. Uh, surround yourself with um, people that can minister with you so you don't have to bear the load all alone. And, and, and it's really interesting. It says, if you do this, God will direct you. And what's interesting is what is implied here. If you don't do this, the direction of God's going to be really elusive. There's something about this methodology that Jethro says, listen, if you will let others bear the load and you will build teams and you will do it this way, God will direct you. God loves this approach. Uh, One of our core values as a leadership team is we are a team-building church, not because it's just a really healthy, great strategy, but because God loves this strategy. He looks at Moses and basically says, if you do this, I'm going to direct you. And and so Moses has a decision to make. Am I going to do this? And, And the blessing is God will direct you. He says, if you do this, in verse 23, you will be able to endure that this is actually the method and strategy that allows leaders, spiritual leaders, to endure over the long haul. You can't do it all yourself. You can't do everything yourself. And then he says, uh, if you do this, still verse 23, all this people also will go to their place in peace. People are blessed and cared for and ministered to, and it is good for everyone. The benefits are amazing. Build teams and be on teams. So what number two? I want to encourage you to champion people who are making big decisions for Jesus right now. So there are a bunch of spiritual leaders who have been exposed by COVID. Um, Our family, to a degree, others. Um, The whole world changes on a dime. and, And it's been this opportunity just to reflect and to see what we've been doing. And here's what we've also found. Um, This season of quarantine, of being at home, of things just slowing down, uh, it's been this really amazing season where people are stopping. They're reevaluating how they have been leading and loving and living. And now they're actually getting ready to make big decisions. And I want you to hear me. People in this season are able to make decisions that historically would have caused much social turmoil in their communities or families. They were able to make decisions with very little social recourse. So here's what we're starting to watch. People are moving out of state. People are quitting their jobs. 
People are changing their lifestyle. They're making big decisions, small decisions, hard decisions. Decisions that quite honestly, because of the pace of life and the tyranny of the urgent, before COVID hit, they didn't have the time to stop and reflect. They are now making really, really big decisions that put God first, their family first, their health first, and ministry as a priority in their life. Uh, people are actually right now, I'm so proud. There's so many of you that I, uh, I've been watching you on Facebook and I've heard things and I just want to call you and just say, I'm so proud of the decisions you're making. I know that that was really challenging. And, and so here's the deal. In this time of COVID, people are making really big decisions and they feel the freedom for the first time to make them because there's such little social recourse. And here's what we want to be. We want to be people who champion the big and the small decisions of our brothers and sisters in Christ who have taken this time of COVID and they are kind of setting their life back and putting their priorities where they should be. And so for some of you, people are going to move out of state. They might even not do the ministry they were doing before, but jump into something else. Uh, they might hit a big reset button on their entire life. In fact, here's one of the realities that I just want to prepare you for. When we come back to church together, there are going to be people who used to go to church here, but they don't anymore. And they're not rebelling against God. In fact, what God is doing is he's kind of just mixing a whole bunch of things up and he's recentering people and, and they have gifts that a church over here needs. And so we've been trying to champion uh, a couple families in our church to say, we support you because we see the motivation for what you're doing and the will of God behind this. And we want to see you build the kingdom. And, and so they're going to be people who you love. They were in your group. They, maybe they moved out of state. Maybe they moved to a different church. And we want to champion them because they're not sinning in this process. And and then there are going to be some people who are going to come into our community and they have been called uh, maybe from a different state to move here. I'm so sorry about that. They're moving from different churches because of issues that have come up there. Maybe some of their churches have closed and they're trying to find a new home church. And, and so there are going to be people in our community and they've made really big decisions and they're here and they want to pour their life into this place and build the kingdom of God and push the mission forward here. When we go back to normal, who is around us and who is doing what is probably going to look really different. And there's going to be a temptation to maybe judge or want things to be just like they were. And I want to say, I think this is an incredible time to champion people making big decisions. I think of Jethro. Uh, I think of him having these words with Moses. And, and Moses could have been belligerent. He wasn't. He was so responsive and submissive. And what, jo what, what, what Moses needed was Jethro to champion him. What he needed was a wife to champion him. Uh, Moses had to come home and say, we're changing everything. Things are going to look really, really different. And he's trying to follow God and follow wisdom into this next season of life. I know that the season we came out of was crazy. I know that we're in this season of reset. Everybody is, all of America. And I know that we're walking into is going to look really different. And I want to make sure that we are really looking to encourage people who are making really hard decisions about making sure their life and their priorities are straight. Finally, my last, so what for you? True spiritual leadership requires faith in Jesus. Uh, some of you are watching this and you have never placed your faith in Christ. Um, you maybe believe that Jesus was a good teacher. You believe something positive about him. Maybe you're just curious about what the sermon is about. And a real spiritual leadership that is healthy and thriving that bears fruit is first rooted in a man or a woman who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So maybe today um, you are here and you need the help of Jesus to be a spiritual leader. Today that decision starts by confessing your sin before God and, and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead. 
real, true, vibrant, healthy spiritual leadership requires the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is only given to those who surrender to Christ and place their faith in Jesus. And so if that's a decision you want to make today, man, we would love to encourage you and to support you. Uh, if you're at a host home, your host would love to just encourage you and talk to you. If you're online, you can just follow up with us, and we'd love to pray with you and help you take next steps and trust in Jesus Christ. I am so grateful as a spiritual leader that God's salvation of my sin and my life and his love for me are not rooted in good works. Uh, they are rooted in faith. And so I'm so grateful that uh, salvation is not for good people, but it's for people who place their faith in Jesus. And so if that is a decision you want to make today, um, we'd love to encourage you. And we'd love to champion that decision. May COVID be a time we can, we, where we can come around to you and support you making the most important, significant decision you've ever made in your life. Village Church, it has just been a joy to be with you. And we're going to take a moment. I want to pray for you. And then we are going to worship together as we close out this service. Let's pray together. Um, Father, I'm thankful for this text. I'm thankful for the story that reverberates through generations and just resonates with every spiritual leader at one point in our life. Um, I want to thank you for Moses' humility to listen. I want to thank you for Jethro's courage to confront Moses. I want to thank you for, um, yeah, just your word. You speak so relevantly and clearly to our current day. I thank you for Jesus who you have covered the cost, the price of all of our sin. Our sin is separated from you. It has put you to the cross. But God, you've loved us so much that you have taken our payment that we could never pay, and you've put it on Jesus. Thank you for that. Thank you for salvation that is not by good works, but it's through faith alone. God, we're just really grateful, God. I think about um, all of the turmoil in our church. I think about people who have lost businesses and whose relationships have changed, people who are moving that we love, people who are moving to Village Church from another one, people who are leaving Village Church and going to a different church that you're calling them to, God. I just I pray that you would continue to give us a spirit of wisdom as we make these big decisions, as we reevaluate our life and our priorities in this season. But God, I also pray you give us the courage to champion those who are following your will, making really big, hard decisions for the sake of Christ, to live a life that is wise and healthy and brings you glory. And so God, I also just thank you for this time. I thank you for the joy to be back, to be um, with the church I love so much, and to be worshiping together and opening your word. Uh, Lord, we submit all of this before you, and we do this with such gratitude and joy for you've given us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.